Hi everyone, welcome back to the New Managers Club podcast for episode four of this series. As you may know by now, I'm Ali. And I'm Molly. And today we are talking about authentic leadership. That's right, no room for inauthentic leaders here. We don't want you, only authentic leaders are coming in today. Keep listening to find out how to dig deep into your own motivations to truly understand your own leadership style. We'll be sharing plenty of resources and strategies to help you answer a very important question, but one that you may not have considered before. What kind of leader do I want to be? And guess what? It's official. You're part of the club. So, Molly, I'm going to start today's episode by asking you to tell us about a leader that inspired you. Who was that first person in your career that really made you sit up and think, yeah, this is for me. You know, I want what they're having. I want to be what they are. Who was that person that really was that kind of motivator and and a really inspiring person for you? It's actually really hard for me to pick one because I'm so fortunate to have been surrounded by some really incredibly inspirational people in my career. Amazing. We love to hear that. (laughs) It's great. Really lucky to have had that. Um, Not just people that have um, managed me or been a leader that I've leadership that I've been under um but just generally surrounded by by good people good leaders which is amazing um but one that really stands out when I think about them is a manager that I had quite early on in my career um, I was 18 or 19 at the time and they were just incredible they brought so much passion and energy every single day and even if things weren't going right, you can tell they genuinely loved their job, loved what they were doing. And I knew that like whatever direction my career took, I wanted that passion and energy in whatever it was I'd end up doing. They were also just super empathetic and understanding and down to earth. Like I felt like I could have chats with them about absolutely anything and I wouldn't be judged. And I learned a lot from them, just how they sort of conducted themselves in the workplace, the relationships that they had with other people. And it was just a brilliant influence to have on me at an early stage of my career. It's interesting, isn't it, that something that, you know, really stuck with you was that positivity. So when you became a manager, did you have a really clear idea of the kind of leader that you wanted to be? Was there anything that you went through, kind of like an exercise or anything that you did in your own head to kind of like crystallise what that vision for your own leadership was? It's a weird one for me because I... I'm not one of those people that ever envisioned myself becoming a manager or a leader. I think this is such an interesting thing about you that I would really love to dig into, probably not in this episode because we've already got a lot of stuff to cover, I've got a lot of questions in front of me, Um, but I think it is so interesting because I remember you saying so adamantly to me then, I do not want to be a manager. And look at you now. Yeah. Do you know why that is though? Is because I think what comes naturally to me as a person are things that I thought leaders shouldn't be. I had That's quite a so interesting warped view of what a leader should be. Even though I've had so many inspirational leaders, strong female leaders that I've had to look up to, but I didn't see myself in the position of a leader. Weirdly, I had it pictured of this. All these, all the things that I wasn't like super assertive and confident and things that weren't me. And I just didn't see myself being in that position ever. But actually what I've come to realise, even at the beginning of my role, I, I like, massively felt like an imposter. I was like, oh, I have to be all these things. Like I have to be like these, this particular type of leader. But actually 
you can lead with empathy and you can lead with kindness and that is okay and that is a good way to lead but it took me a while to get there and realize I don't have to be mean (laughs) you have to be mean to be a leader there are many ways to lead and I didn't used to see that but now I do I love that I love that lead with kindness lead with empathy I'm gonna do I'm gonna try and do this but no it's so true you kind of have that vision of like a dictator almost i think it is kind of what you describe yes. a dictator yeah. yeah um of being you know you have to be this really stern and that's almost what i kind of mentioned earlier with the whole negative thing you feel like you have to be the <laughs> this sounds really patronizing when i say it but you have to be like the grown-up you have to yeah. be the sensible one you have to be the one that's making the tough decisions and cutting costs and cutting people and you know hiring firing making the really like cutthroat you have to be in there in the nitty-gritty and I mean, there's a certain amount of that. I don't think that any leader can get away from making difficult decisions, having to look at things from multiple angles and, you know, coming to some quite challenging conflicts probably at some point in their career. But just taking that from a standpoint of being empathetic, I'd imagine gets you a lot further than mm. approaching it in a different way. And also probably because it's quite different to the approach that most people have experienced before from a leader, I think. Do you find that? Yeah, I think so. I don't think in the past that's been a common approach it's something that I see coming through more and more on my LinkedIn feed I see articles all the time now about being an empathetic leader and leading with kindness and I'm here for it yeah Yeah. who doesn't want to be led with kindness and empathy yeah it's so true it's so true but there's definitely a kind of lingering expectation that you have to be that kind of authoritarian as a leader like you have to be the one that's doling out the punishments and you know doing all that doing the telling off and that kind of thing and it's like oh god no we're past that we're all adults we know what we're doing yeah i have to pull myself up on that because sometimes i'm hard on myself and i'm like oh maybe i should have been harder on that person for doing that making that mistake but i'm like no they're human mm. absolutely not but it's these weird visions of what we think a leader should be and it's it's just not that sometimes do you feel that sometimes though that attitude is maybe misconstrued as being that you're kind of easy to walk over yes I do think so and well there's that saying what I'm going to absolutely like slaughter this saying when I attempt to (laughs) remember it something like can't wait for this um I am fist in a velvet glove yeah 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 I think that's it it. is actually my mum that said that to me um (laughs) I love it I would love to know in what context you were having that discussion eh? (laughs) no we were talking about leadership and like management styles um, it's probably would... important to say that m- my mum is a HR director and doesn't just have like really <laughs> intense conversations just no. like over dinner <laughs> in social situations. Um, my mum is a yeah is a very accomplished HR director who I'm sure will be getting on this podcast at some point Absolutely. to share some of her wonderful insights. Yeah, okay, so that is you then. You are that iron fist in a velvet glove, right? That's what I'm aiming for. Like I absolutely don't nail that right now but that's what I'm aiming for what bit of that do you think that you don't nail right now I don't know I don't know I just don't know if I get the balance right sometimes maybe I'm too like oh it's okay (laughs) well it's not okay that was not all right do you say it in Um, that high-pitched voice too (laughs) (laughs) yes yeah I think it just takes experiences you have to go through these things a few different times to like did that hit quite right do I need to be more you know like assertive and stuff in particular scenarios but we'll get there Mm, absolutely what about you what's your what leadership style are you aiming for what am i aiming for um Mm. 
I think I very much do naturally default to being quite a kind of sensible, straight-laced person. And that is quite challenging. Um, I've actually got my Colourworks profile in front of me at the moment, which we'll talk about a little bit later on in the episode. Um, If any of our listeners are familiar with Colourworks, it's essentially like a kind of Myers-Briggs, Thomas International, very similar kind of frameworks in regards to personality. Something that we do at our organisation to help us determine our leadership styles really go through that kind of period of self-discovery find out how to get the best out of us and how we work with others it's a really really fantastic period of learning that you kind of go through when you uh take on the you take the test and then you get your profile and you um, have a kind of discovery session with a a professional from uh, the colorworks team so we'd highly recommend for anyone that's wanting to kind of find out more about that tell your organization to pay for you to do it because it's really it's really beneficial in kind of learning more about yourself because i think it's very easy to say i want to be a leader that is is kind for example or i want to be a leader Hmm. that is strong or i want to be a leader that is honest or authentic and it's like okay great i mean who would be like well i actually really want to be a dishonest leader that is fantastic (laughs) for me you know know what it is really hard to kind of be self-aware about what your own style is i personally think i find it quite hard to kind of see myself as i think we all do as others see me so i think it can be really difficult to know what you should be aiming for and kind of what is your comfort zone and how you can push yourself so i would say that colorworks was really helpful for kind of helping me to determine that the leadership style that i'm aiming for is much more collaborative i can be quite an insular person as a professional i think i kind of like when I <laughs> when I used to work in kind of team scenarios and maybe like school or college, you know, you're doing projects. I was like, I'm going to lead. I know what I'm doing. I'll, I'll have this under control. It's fine. Like I'm quite I'm quite a controlling person, and I like the detail. I like to know what's going on. So something that I've really tried to work on, and anyone who's familiar with Colorworks will know, I've been trying to dial up my yellow, which is being more communicative, collaborative, because a lot of my kind of thoughts live in my own head and don't necessarily get expressed um either when you know I'm pleased with something or when I'm not pleased with something so I think that for me something that I've really tried to embody as a leader is being someone that brings other people along with them and Mm. focuses on the team building because that is something that I, I just I struggle with quite a lot I don't I felt like in my in my career so far I haven't probably worked yet, uh, um, probably until now, in a kind of really well-gelled team environment. I've always, you know, it's been either very small teams where you don't have that quite same dynamic. And so I had an opportunity to really say, what does the team look like for me and what kind of culture do I want to put in that team? So that was a really interesting kind of period of, of discovery for me to go through myself because it is so easy as a manager, you're kind of, involved in things at a certain level where uh, I mean something we've we've talked about before is needing to be quite kind of secretive and discreet as a manager you know you don't tell people mm. everything that's going on you have to have a level of professionalism but actually there's a very important flip side to that which is communicating I feel like something that perfectly demonstrates this point within my Colorworks profile is there's a section where it tells you what you're motivated by it literally said I'm going to read this word for word Ali is motivated by being given every opportunity to, quotation marks, get on with it. 
end quotation marks. Oh. Like it, it's so, it, honestly, if you, well, you have read my Colorworks profile. Actually, I know, it's very funny. It's, it makes me sound like just the most horrendous person. It's interesting though, because that is you from a professional sense and knowing you as a friend, I don't see a lot of the stuff in there. <laughs> you don't feel that I like to just get on with it? I don't know. I, I suppose you're quite independent. Yeah, yeah, I suppose. But then that's quite a difficult dynamic to navigate when you're a manager. Like, if you've been quite independent in a role or, you know, personally, for me, it's my role before was almost being a bit of a trailblazer and being like, yeah, I can, you know, take this step up to management. Like, I can, I can forge my own path. I can do it on my own. Look, I can show you what I can do. And then to adapt to a team dynamic is like, Oh, I've got other people that I have to think about now. Like, what does that look like? It's so different. It's such a different situation to try and navigate. So yeah, I would say uh, communication was such an important part of that for me. So what about you? You've talked about kindness and empathy. If you had to boil down kind of other really key aspects of your leadership style, what would you say? I think beyond um, kindness and empathy, I think um, integrity and honesty is another so they're sort of big ones for me, I think. Um, something that I heard actually is that, um, is like always stick to the truth because like if something isn't like progressing the way it should, if a task hasn't been done because you've just got loads on, like there's no point like trying to sort of cover it over and be like, yes, we've got everything together. Everything is going great. It's all working. Like just being honest and with people and just letting them know, like, this hasn't happened or we dropped the ball on that because of that we're going to get to it next so you're not trying to like spending half the time like covering your ass you're just like <laughs> you're just being honest people know that you're honest with like how things are going I think you've hit on something really interesting there because that's almost the flip side to what you were saying earlier about being really positive and being that kind of you know the the influence that is always keeping things on track and you know making sure that things are going okay do you think that that part that you just mentioned about being honest is that almost your leadership style when you're managing upwards do you think when you're kind of dealing with other um leaders or other managers or your line manager for example or is that something that you embody when you are managing downwards is that the phrase that sounds very derogatory when i say it like that when you're managing your team <laughs> i meant the opposite of managing up yeah <laughs> didn't mean to sound so horrible when i said that <laughs> no I both just in general with everybody and I think you can be honest and positive you can say this project isn't going to go right but we're going to make it right here's how we're going to fix this or let's work together to fix this it's not like oh it's not going right this didn't work that didn't work that's why it should have worked blah blah so and so didn't do their job properly it's like no like what can we this is honestly how the situation is right now but focusing on the positive outcomes. So I think like you can absolutely have both. There's no, and part of being honest, you can't like just be positive and sort of skirt over the bad things. You have to be honest about the bad things, but put a positive lie on it. And you can't, sometimes you do some things are bad and you need a minute to take that in and say, oh yeah, that was rubbish. Let's just have a breather and crack on. But you know, not spending too much time dwelling on that, like really trying to, and again, like I said earlier, I absolutely do not get this right all the time <laughs> yet, um, but I'm working on it and that's what I'm aiming for. Nice, nice. So do you think then that you do have a different leadership style when you are managing upwards? Ooh. Is there anything specifically that you're working on in terms of being a leader um, 
when you are, you know, on that kind of playing field when you're engaging with a lot of other people. Yes. Yeah, definitely. In terms of like being like managing up, I'm trying something that you said, actually working on communication, because a lot of the time I assume people that around me, not even just more senior people, like they know way more than I do. I don't Mm. like have any value to add to them. So I will not say things thinking what do they care about that like they probably already know Mm. and I sort of default to thinking oh no they already know like I won't say that but actually um I think sometimes it it is valuable to say that so I'm trying to work on offering up information that could potentially be helpful proactively yes yeah I'm so with you on that I think something that I've really learned and something that I definitely thought when I became a manager it sounds very similar to the experience that you had was that I shouldn't say anything that I didn't feel was worth saying or Mm. you know things that I kind of to your point thought oh well you know no one cares about that or everyone already knows about that so why why would I contribute it but actually I think something I've really learned on that side of managing upwards and dealing with more senior and stakeholders than myself is um I said that like I'm the most senior stakeholders (laughs) I'm definitely not um when I'm dealing with you know other more senior people within the organization is the importance of just speaking up, like just using your voice, yeah. you know, something actually, um, and I'm sorry if I'm treading on the toes of anything you're going to say here, Molly, but something you said to me earlier today, actually, was, you know, we're at the table for a reason. Mm-hmm. Use your voice, do something with that time and with that space that you're occupying. And obviously, you know, don't just prattle on about something for the sake of it. That's not going to get you anywhere. Yeah. But nine times out of 10, people will find what you have to say valuable even if it is something they already know or even if you're just putting it in a different way or you're putting your spin on it you know you're adding your own intrinsic value by being there and by volunteering that opinion and I do think that you I think personally something I've noticed is that the people that don't speak up more and don't kind of make their voice heard it's easier for them to kind of fall by the wayside Mm. as opposed to people that you know just volunteer opinions and just get involved and this is again like molly this is not something i get right you know i have a lot of fear about speaking up in meetings particularly on teams where you have to like raise your hand or you have to try and jump in when someone else is saying (gasps) something isn't that That so awkward horrible situation to navigate yeah like i'm muting in a corner like but and then like everyone keeps talking and you're just like okay i hate that mute again oh my god someone actually said to me the other day in a meeting they were like you look like you're poised and ready to ask a question I was like oh, I, I was in that I've meeting been waiting for so long <laughs> <laughs> but that's it that you just don't know and it's like oh I don't want to talk over someone who mm-hmm. has something more important to say that is a whole whole nother extra you know complex level to that dynamic but um yeah just just you know just saying something just adding your voice to the mix I think can be mm-hmm. really really valuable for sure yeah definitely I think I've always been too afraid of like Oh, like just like speaking for the sake of it but like no <laughs> sometimes I do genuinely have stuff that could be valuable but in the past I've just been like oh like I don't think to say it because I just assume that they already know or do they know more than I do okay so we've identified Molly for example that you want to communicate more or what you want to do how do you actually once you've kind of gone through that period of discovery what do you do to embody those things in your role and make sure that you really do put them into practice once you've identified what your leadership style is? I think it's just practice, repetition and experience. Mm. Like sometimes 
you can go into something with the best of intentions, but when you're in the thick of it, it's really hard, particularly if you have chosen to be a particular type of leader that isn't aligned with you, sort of like as a person, you know, we're saying like kindness, empathy, like luckily for me, that does come naturally to me, but there are other parts (laughs) that don't. Um, And so it's like particularly the, the side where I need to be more authoritative and confident and things like that. I think the things that don't come naturally to you, it is a case of like practice and repetition. And it's like firefighters and soldiers, like they, they go through this intense training period. They experience all these really intense training programs so that when they're out on the field, they're not thinking twice. It's like second nature to them to like react in a certain way. And like, I think we'll just keep experiencing these things throughout our career. And, you know, five years time, it will just be second nature to us. We'll like absolutely smash all of these things in the way that we want to be. As long as we keep coming back to our values, how do we want to be as a leader? Are we nailing this? Where are we getting it right? Where have we got it wrong? Working on those things and it will just come to us. It's really interesting that you say, particularly that word, values and also i cannot wait until i'm at the point where i'm just a firefighter like hosing down all the issues in my way um but it's very it's interesting you say the word values because i do personally feel um and this is from you know having an enhanced knowledge of of working with you for however long as i have um that you are a very values driven leader where do you think that comes from i have no idea but (laughs) that's such a helpful helpful question but that is the answer do you know what? That's the answer that every person wants to hear. All our listeners are like, yes. <laughs> no, let's unpack this. I, I, I have in my head, which sometimes does not work out well for me, um, like a, a very strong sense of right and wrong. Mm-hmm. And some things that I value very highly, like honesty, other people don't. And mm-hmm. it can as someone like that, it can be easy to default to they're a bad person. They're not honest. They're a bad person, but it's not that they're a bad person at all. And I have to remind myself this all the time. It's that they value something different. They don't, they don't necessarily value honesty as high as they do something else. And so yeah, it doesn't always work in my favor to be very, very value driven. So right and wrong then being kind of your that that those are your guiding values is that kind of intrinsic understanding are there any other values that kind of guide your your career and how did you kind of discover what they were was it just a case of kind of experiencing as you go through this is what I like this is what I don't like I guess partly it's what I do and don't like I know that I want (laughs) I think sometimes um I think particularly earlier on in my career I went through this stage of realizing that not everyone is a good person (laughs) we're getting deep into some trauma here (laughs) no but like not everyone has your back not everyone's looking out for you not everyone wants what's best for you and I remember that I must have been about 21 at the time when that really hit home and I was like this hurts like I've been living in this bubble for my whole life until now and I was just like you I don't have to be like that though I was like, I can be the kindness in these dark situations. I can be that person that is empathetic towards a difficult situation. Like, although there are, in this particular situation I was in at work at the time, surrounded by negative people, I don't have to become that. I don't have to let that consume me. And I think that 
potentially that's where it's come from. Damn, you sound real healthy. <laughs> I don't know about that. That sounds like a really healthy mindset. I I don't know. I think I well, actually, having said that, if anyone's listened to the last podcast, they will not think this, but um, I, I think my default sort of is quite a positive mindset. Interesting. Really interesting. So then what did that process of kind of discovering your leadership style look like for you? Did you kind of, when you became a manager, did you set any goals for yourself? Did you use any frameworks? Did you employ any tools to kind of help you? um bring your leadership style to life and for example we talked a little bit earlier about the colorworks profile i'm dying i'm dying for you to share with our readers what that taught you as well or if you used any other tools to kind of help you discover more about yourself do you know yeah i do you know i have loads of tools that i'm going to share soon in this podcast but um i do know it for me actually as well it was the colorworks thing Mm. that made the biggest impact for me um because I'd had this vision of what a leader should be. And when my ColourWorks profile came back and was just like, you're a kind person, you have loads of empathy for people, you're very understanding. It really, I went through a period of reflection of being like, this is okay. This is a good thing. Leaders can be that sort of person. And so I think seeing that, and viewing it in a more positive way instead of like oh I'm I maybe before I would have seen myself as being too weak I saw kindness as weakness potentially and so I saw it as like my positive traits negative and that was such a massive mindset shift to go from I can never be a leader because because of that to like yeah I, I can and I can bring people up with me and I can make people happy and have hopefully help people have fulfilled careers because of those traits do you think there's such a thing as being too nice as a leader oh yeah for sure yeah (laughs) (laughs) i expect you to be like no no you can be like the nicest person in the world and be a leader okay no tell me why well not too nice but there are absolutely situations where you have to put your foot down and it's like you were saying like if you're given a seat at the table and you see injustice well, actually you you said that to me so let's put <laughs> you back to you like we actually say- someone else definitely said yeah that. i read it's this online us, so <laughs> yeah i read this online it wasn't me um <laughs> thanks instagram um but <laughs> but if you're given a seat at the table and you see injustices speak up and that's something that i've been going through recently and learning about like really questioning myself like having been in situations where it's like either you know go with your super kind natural self and say absolutely nothing and watch potentially other people get hurt in the process of saying absolutely nothing or really pulling up and using that voice that i've been given and standing up for things that i just don't believe in don't align with my values i can see is never negatively impacting other people and that is so tough because it goes against everything that comes naturally to me but actually sort of pushing through and recognizing those times right now is your time to pull up because you cannot just be there for the good times you have to you know ride out the whole thing and that is a tough thing to learn, a tough thing to go through. So I don't think you can be too kind, but there are situations where you need to recognise kindness is not going to solve the problem here. Oh my God, I love that. Put that on an Instagram quote. Like people are going to be, 
mentioning that in every podcast now. That's great. I love that. Kindness is not going to solve every problem. Is that it? Is I just like absolutely butchered what you just said? I'm going to get that like on a t-shirt. I don't know. I, I can't remember what I said. That's good. I mean, we should I definitely do match with I, our five listeners. Oh my god, amazing! Yeah, our five listeners would snap those up. Um, I, that's really interesting. I, I mean, I don't. I personally definitely do not have the problem of being too kind. So, but it's very interesting to kind of like hear it from that perspective. Not that I think I'm a horrible person, but as in I don't. No, you're not. Um, <laughs> thanks. Um, but it's really interesting because what you're saying about Colorworks profiles, when I was looking at mine, and I think if you read mine, um, which hopefully no one will ever do because I don't think you'd want to get to know me at all after that, um, it, it's very, it's kind of what we said about being quite like individualistic, quite independent. And I read that, and I, and this was actually before my team were in place, um, and it put the fear of God in me. Like, I honestly, I read it and I was like, how am I going to lead people? Like I, this, my colour works profile essentially says that I don't get on well with people. <laughs> That's essentially like the long and short of it. <laughs> Which is so weird because like I've obviously known you for a long time now, but for people listening, like you are the sort of person that I imagine like leading a company one day, like oh a massive God. corporate, like wow. you, I feel like you are a really strong leader. So I was, yeah, I was massively surprised to wow. hear some of the things in that profile, but so nice. you can't take all of it to heart, can you? Do you know what though? Because I think this touched on a really important point, which is that your leadership style can and will change. And I'm like, mm. I'm clapping in the middle of that, in the middle of every word, like you see on those Instagram captions when they really just <laughs> emphasize their point. But it, like your leadership style can, will, should change. Like what mm. different situations will require different things from you as a leader. And I do feel personally, I hope, if I were to take the Colourworks um, profile again now, I do think it would be quite different because before my team came into place, I mean, I had a period of working on my own. I was part of a wider department, but being the only person in my team, I was a manager without a team, which was a fantastic way to start that journey for me. Loved that. Um, it, I mean, I was, I was very grateful for the opportunity, but it was a bit strange. Um, <laughs> it like, I, I didn't, I didn't have that. I was on my own for a couple of months a month two months I don't know and up until that point working in a small team and um, it was quite a kind of individual mindset we were working really hard to show the kind of value that we were adding um, and so it, I was coming to it from quite a kind of individualistic place um, but then I think the having my team um, and interestingly my team who most of whom have done the Colourworks profiles and I hope they won't mind me mentioning um, one of the people in my team is my opposite type which is fantastic. Like when I saw that, I was like, oh my God. Okay, brilliant. We are going to clash. This is going to be horrible. They're going to hate me. It's going to be horrendous. Um, but it's fine. We don't hate each other. It's brilliant. But it, I, know, I think if I did it now, because I've been really challenged by them, and I mean that in the best possible way, and in the, like, the truest sense of the word, they have pushed me to be better, to do things differently, to see things from different perspectives. And I think something that I really tried to actively do in the workplace like when I when I first entered the workplace I felt naturally quite introverted did you I can't imagine that 
Yeah, mass. No, honestly, mass. I don't. I you weren't at the organisation that we're at now. Um, when I joined it, I think you joined just after me. But honestly, in those first few months, I felt like I didn't have a right to be there. I was like, "What am I doing oh. here?" This I, and and I re- I just didn't I didn't really speak to people. I didn't really engage that much. I just kind of like kept my head down and wanted to get on and do a good job with what I was doing. And I kind of recognised that behaviour in myself after a while and I kind of thought I don't I don't want to be like that like I don't really know where this is coming from this isn't how I want to be as a professional like I don't want to be someone that no one talks to that's Mm. horrible who wants to be that um and so I I now and probably you notice it when we're in the office now Molly I will speak to everyone I'm like hi (laughs) hi how are you how's everything going how's the kids like I honestly is and it every time I do it I I mean, well, more so now it comes naturally to me. But for the, mer- the the first kind of couple of months I was doing that, I had to force myself to do it every time and make a conscious effort mm. to be like, yes, I'm going to do that because this is the kind of person that I want to be. I don't want to default to my very comfortable zone of just, like, sticking in my own lane and, yeah. and not engaging with anyone else. So interesting. Thanks. I'm a very interesting, complex character. Um <laughs> I'm so loud. No, it's it. It was just I. I just kind of thought. Do you know what? I'm. I can see myself dipping into some behaviours here that I don't like. Um, yeah. and, and it was quite a product of my environment. You know, it was at the time at which I joined the department. It was a very different atmosphere. It was quite individualistic. I felt in a lot of ways. Um, it was. It was a little bit clicky. Um, clicky. Don't know what the word is there. Um and yeah so it was quite it was quite tough and so I do feel that it was kind of it was probably a result of that as well but yeah I had to really consciously say I'm not I'm not doing this like this is not serving me this is not working people Hmm. are not engaging with me no one likes me no one will have lunch with me like (laughs) I I used to eat lunch on my own it was bad no you didn't no I did yeah I did how weird because i only joined a few months after you but i had such a different experience than that on my first day i remember like almost the entire department went and sat at the same table in the canteen and all ate lunch together and i was like oh my god do they do this every day and they did they did do that i didn't go (gasps) you didn't go honestly this is what i was like i don't know why um i don't know if I felt like I wasn't invited. That probably isn't actually representative of the situation at all. But mm. I think probably because no one like literally took me by the hand and led me to the lunch table, mm. I felt that I hadn't been <laughs> invited, um, which is 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 probably not accurate at all. Like I'm sure lots of lovely people in the department did make offers for me to go, but I just I don't know. I just wasn't really. I wasn't in that mindset of thinking like, yeah, this is important to me. I didn't really understand at that point the importance of building relationships in the workplace. Like I didn't understand the dynamic of it. Like, should I be friends with these people? Isn't that funny? I think like, I remember loads of people saying that at the beginning of my career, like it's the connections, it's the people you know, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, all right, chill out. But (laughs) now I'm chill out. (laughs) But now I've been in marketing for like or in like professional roles um for like over eight years now and I I get it I get it I think it's yeah it's yeah. so important isn't it like you in a, in a yeah. way that you, it's hard to like really explain I think as much as people can say oh I'll build your network like until you get it you like you don't get it so mm. <laughs> I don't 
that even make any yeah. sense until you get it you don't get it no completely <laughs> that yeah no it's true it's like you don't know what you don't know yes. as in you don't you know you haven't experienced it you don't know how important it is mm. um yeah it, but it's a very different dynamic to adjust to um i didn't mean to dominate this episode with my little sob story of how i was a massive loner when i entered <laughs> the workplace <laughs> but it is actually it, i think it, it is it's quite pertinent to the conversation because I like caught myself doing things that weren't working yeah. and I, li- I had to like drag myself out of it. And now I do feel like a more confident person in that position, but it wasn't, it was a, it was a conscious decision every time. Like you, I personally feel, and this is something that I, I try and embody and has definitely been shown through that experience. You choose who you are. Mm. Like you don't have to conform to where your comfort zone sits yeah that is not a limitation that should be placed on you by yourself by other people you know you don't just exist in your comfort zone there is a whole spectrum of other things outside of that that you can also be and that is something i really had to recognize and push myself to do and also i do think and this was obviously when i was just entering the professional world in general but this has probably happened to me again like another period of um transformation when i became a manager because that is even more so a time when you really have to choose what you you know what's important to you as a manager what kind of culture you want to set in your team and it's a quite a big responsibility because if you try and fake it till you make it you know force yourself into a role that doesn't suit you that kind of tension about not being authentically yourself can really come through and I realized I sound like a massive hypocrite there because I've literally just said that I had to force myself to change my personality but it's not that Mm. it's not that it's different go on no I completely agree there are some ways that you can push yourself outside of your comfort zone in a really positive way and then there's Mm. sort of it's a, it's a different story when you're not being authentic to yourself and <laughs> this really horrible story comes to mind when like for me and I can relate to so much of what you've just said actually when I was in primary school I used to be so shy that I would be too scared to answer my name in the register like I was oh that gosh. level of shy and the teachers absolutely hated me for it but <laughs> I, but over the, and that's taken I can't like, believe teachers would hate me for that so I know hard. they were savage but it like wow. and that's something being quite an introverted person naturally is something that I keep throughout my career I have to keep pushing myself and it's not me not being authentic to myself it's me recognizing this is not helping me if I want to progress my career Mm. if I want to um what's that word if I want to like advocate for my team and for myself I've Mm -hmm. got to speak up I've got to have a voice and I've got to be confident in what I'm saying if I want people to follow me but that's something I'm still learning I've like coming from like the tiny little ginger kid who couldn't speak up and answer the name in the register to like now leading a team of three people and feeling quite reasonably confident in my role hosting a podcast hosting a podcast um it's it's like worlds apart so i think there are ways that you can push outside your comfort zone in a very authentic way that's helping you and that you want to it's like if you're thinking oh god i wish i could be but that's not me like no like if that's if you want to be that's you. You just got to make it happen. Mm, not that, and it sounds so easy. So isn't that. It? Just make it happen. Like it's not that easy. <laughs> well, no. Well, it is. It's micro moments of making it happen for months and years and however long it takes you. Like it, mm. it, it is that simple, really. It's just making the choice, sticking to it, 
and taking the steps that will get you there as in that's what I mean by making all of those like micro decisions that will put you closer to that it's like the compound effect which we spoke about in episode one I think maybe um yeah it's it's a similar kind of concept to that but I think to your point and to build on what you said there it's about letting go of the things that aren't serving you and that I know people talk about that a lot like friends that aren't serving you toxic family members like bad habits you know and absolutely let go of all of those things too but yeah it's about knowing kind of what behaviors it's like you you said earlier kindness is not potentially going to solve this problem that you're in Mm. there are probably other behaviors that will similarly you know not help you get the best from a situation recognizing what you want from a situation and what is going to help you get there and i also think that a big part of it is recognizing and learning from others what you don't want to yes that's so true and modeling and probably the reason why i I can't actually remember if there was kind of a particular person that i thought i want to be more like them so i want to be more extroverted and that's why i made the decision to do that i don't it was probably just a combination of being amongst a generally quite confident Mm. department who would engage with lots (gasps) of different people i have a confession that i can make here oh when I, so last year in the summer, I was interviewing for new roles because I wanted to move on to a management role. Um, eventually I ended up getting one with the company I currently work for, which was great. But I was so nervous, so nervous in interviews. And <laughs> before my interviews, like Ali is some, like the most confident and you articulate things really well. Sometimes <laughs> before my interview, I'd have like different people in my head of like, I was like, I'd be like, be more Ali, like be more oh. confident in the way you speak or like be more... I won't say other people's names because it wouldn't be fair to them, but I'd be like, be more blah, blah, blah. Oh, and then I'd just like, be so like nice. speak more confidently, articulate what you're going to say, like bring the energy that you need to bring to this interview. Not that that's because totally against being authentic, but like recognizing things that other people do really well and like bringing that in, like especially in an interview where you need to like bring the passion, you need to be able to talk about what you're doing in a very, um, very good way and like in a very short space of time. So yeah, I do, yeah, I think that's a really good tip actually recognizing who you can sort of take those things from uh, massively and i think you i'm very flattered to know that you wanted to be more like me um and i hope that worked for your interviews but um i got offered I, several jobs so amazing <laughs> okay um no that's excellent news um but yeah but i think you and every everyone in in the workplace everyone in life really is in a super advantageous position to like cherry pick the best bits from other people that you Mm. want like if you rather than thinking oh i'm not like them ask yourself what could i do to be more like them what kind of particular Mm. bits of their behavior do i really admire how do they get things done in a way that i would like to emulate you know what is it about them and don't be afraid to ask them i think either yeah ask the question you know how did you become so great at that's whatever you're good at i don't know but you you know what asking that question i think i think in the organization that we work with and the people like personally that we're surrounded with we're incredibly fortunate like i i know so many people that i think oh i want to be more like them how great are they doing that like all the time i'm seeing that like and it that's hard if if you're in a maybe a small organization or you don't have that sort of support network where you've got people that really inspire you i wonder if like maybe even like watching things on the tv like yeah. or like you know there are there other people that or can you build your network go to networking events yeah, and sort yeah. of find 
find your people that can inspire you yeah and i think this is a really nice way into networking actually because i think we could do a whole other episode on networking because that is something i definitely used to struggle with i'm still not very good at it at all but at least it doesn't like give me actual nausea the thought of having to do it um but yeah i mean that that is a really kind of good way to get into it i think is just saying to someone i love the way you do that how do you do it you know, or how did you get so good at that? Where did you discover your passion for X, Y, Z? You know, what yeah. what what gave that to you? I think that is such an important question to be able to ask people. Um, and I think that that can unlock so much potential um, for insights and for knowledge that you wouldn't get if you just kind of like admired from a distance, you know. So if you're, yeah. if you're in an event, if you see someone that, you know, or see someone online that you really kind of respect, you know, send them a message. It doesn't have to be face-to-face events. Just like we were saying earlier about kind of having your voice and using it, like, get, you know, use your position, ask the question. And nine times out of ten, I guarantee that people will want to talk about themselves and talk, like, in, oh, in not, sure. not in a selfish way at all, but want to kind of share their knowledge yeah. and, you know, give back to people. So I think that's a very worthwhile thing to do if you aren't, to Molly's point, kind of surrounded by people that you maybe would want to model their behaviours. Mm. I think that's a very good tip. Well done. Excellent. Oh, well, you like massively teed me up for it, so thanks. Um, one thing I do want to touch on before we finish is frameworks. Mm-hmm. So I have a few different resources, books, and tips that you can try out to really find out what are your values as a leader, what motivates you, um, and all that stuff. So the first one is a book called Squiggly Careers by Helen Tupper and Sarah Ellis. If you've listened to a previous episode you know that that's actually my very good friend sarah ellis so a bit rude that you don't remember her name but that's fine i'll make sure that she's not too angry at you <laughs> but their book is incredible and i worked through it um i actually did it last year and it really helps you get to your sort of core values what you value and then sort of how that what that wow. plays out like it has some really fun exercises in there and i took one of them and you have to ask three people to like give you feedback about yourself um and that was such an interesting exercise to do obviously like no one said anything negative but it was like a really interesting process to sort of go through so that one is brilliant they've actually got a new book out that i still need to read i was gonna say no. have you read their new book you can you... order it yeah no their first one was absolutely brilliant so i'm sure the second one will be just as good another thing that i did if you're not into like reading and you need something more practical 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 that's like in front of you happening right now is a workshop that i did with a company called women to work who is run by two just like incredible women that are um absolutely brilliant they have like regular workshops and they do a similar thing they sort of go through these different um frameworks and talk you through as a they do individual coaching but also as groups like what your values are um and and i'm won't go into too much detail but they have lots of different absolutely brilliant ways of doing that so that's um women to work if you want to look, look those up their workshops are about 40 pounds each so um really valuable for like two and a half hours so highly recommend checking that out even in addition to the squiggly careers book that was absolutely brilliant and then the last one is something that i read in a book that's sort of like a quick win right now you could do this without buying a book or um having to attend like a workshop is um this i can't remember if this is their correct name but it's like a ladder technique so you sort of have to put like what is your 
end goal and then you keep asking yourself why so you want to be a ceo why is it because you want to help people is it because you want financial security is it because you want credibility then why like if it's if it's financial security like why do you want that and like keep asking why like is it um so that your children are provided for why is that important to you uh, like you just keep asking like why to get into the core of like what actually matters to you and do you need that thing that you started with to get to that end thing can you cut out anything in the middle like how do you get there as quick as you can um so that i actually stole that from a book called uh smart women finish rich which is also worth reading but um you can totally take that technique without reading the book if you wanted to nice. so those are my three things i'd recommend so squiggly careers book and uh, women to work workshop and the laddering technique so what's your goal and keep asking but why why just forever just until... <laughs> oh you could go forever couldn't you why do you want food on the table <laughs> why are you hungry like not that deep but <laughs> amazing i definitely i haven't um i actually have not read the squiggly careers book which is really bad but um <gasps> I know that's bad, isn't it? That is bad. But I, yeah, I, I actually am going to take some of those recommendations too. I think that's really, really good. I think something that I always kind of think with frameworks, and this is absolutely not to discourage anyone from kind of engaging with any of the resources that you have recommended, Molly, at all. But I think something that it can be when you kind of take on a managerial role you're trying to do this period of self-discovery it can be quite easy to think that you have to commit yourself to a full framework or a full set of goals or you know you have to write yourself a charter for what you're going to do you know it, it can feel like there's a lot of pressure to kind of do that but I think the biggest thing and all the resources that Molly recommended can absolutely help you to do this is to just be really clear in yourself and in what you want and that doesn't have you that doesn't mean you have to create Mm -hmm. you know some really comprehensive document everything that you want to do it just means having that kind of like guiding light that north star of what it is that you are aiming for and what you're always striving for and that can look as as simple as kind of having three words in your head that you know every time you're faced with a difficult conversation or difficult decision you come back to or you know every time you find yourself that crossroad you kind of think okay well how does this align with my three most important factors yeah like why am i here what is this for yeah i think that's really important in difficult times also that i i think what you picked up on is an incredibly important point if you make it through your first six months as a manager as a leader without being completely snowed under by stress or like overworked or overwhelmed like smashing it don't worry about anything else survival is survival is the goal in the beginning and figure out the rest later so i think we should have probably said that at the beginning maybe i'll cut that back in for the beginning um so 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 true like as a manager there is no pressure on you to have this all figured out like that is absolutely not where you need to put your energy if you are just in survival mode but what this can do is help you to have just a bit more confidence in what you're doing Mm. and it can I think it really can help you in the long term once you have got you know your your feet under the table and you've got a bit more comfortable with what you're doing when you're looking to move up maybe or move on move on to your next role develop your team upskill yourself maybe I just think that having this understanding of yourself and of your own career can be really 
beneficial for that yeah. um, but absolutely look after yourself look after your insanity before you yeah, start you sure. know working out what type of leader you want to be because that's a big it's a big question and it's taken us some time today to talk through it and there's still so much more that we could talk about um but hopefully this has helped kind of you know give you guys some ideas of where you can get started if you're not yet sure what kind of lead you want to be that is okay and uh, as we mentioned earlier you know you don't have to have this all figured out right now your leadership style will change what your team needs from you will change what you want from yourself and from your career probably will change but it's important to kind of have that understanding of yourself that you can continually update and kind of check in on yourself as well you know you're probably doing one-to-one check-ins with your team check in with yourself and do those kind of pulse checks of is this aligned to what I want do I need to recalibrate here is there anything else I can be doing to kind of help get me closer to the goals that I'm working towards I think that's really important I agree brilliant advice (laughs) (laughs) so we've talked about how important it can be to kind of go on that period of self-discovery when you become a manager because I think there's a lot of pressure on managers to be authentic and there's a whole bunch of statistics on how important authentic leadership is and how it can drive you know increased productivity increased motivation within a team and all of those things are absolutely fantastic but it can be really hard to know what your authentic leadership style looks like at a time when you probably feel like the biggest imposter in the world like it's so hard to work out you know what when you don't even know what your leadership style is you know you're still figuring it out too and that is really tough really tough Mm, getting to grips with the day-to-day takes time and that's overwhelming and you know just like keep just keep going until you get there and then you'll figure out your leadership style and as you said like it evolves it changes over time like completely i could not agree more so as you may know by now we finish up every episode with something that we have learned from this week that can be you know any variety of things various resources different things that we've kind of read engaged with conversations that we've had and it is my turn to um share what i've learned from and i'm really excited to share this because molly always has the most amazing recommendations and for once i feel like i have one of my own and i'm really chuffed about it um I have been reading, and actually, I actually think that I might have a book that Molly hasn't read yet. <gasps> it is called, you'll have to tell me if you have, I'm going to be really disappointed. Um, it is called <laughs> Why We Sleep by Matthew Walker. Have you read that? No, I have not read that. Okay, you have got to. Everyone listening has got to. Maybe after, like, Squiggly Careers and all that. I absolutely will. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's so interesting. I'm, I've just come to the end of it. Um and I, I mention it here because it's it's actually really relevant in a way that I didn't think it would be. I read it because I've always been really fascinated with dreaming. Like, that's just something that I'm very interested in. I always have really vivid dreams and I want to know why. Wow. <laughs> um, Does it talk about okay. that in the book? Uh, yeah, to a degree. I mean, it didn't, like, psychoanalyze me, which I kind of wanted. Mm. But <laughs> <laughs> I probably need to go to a sleep therapist for that. Um, but, it, yeah, there was a lot of interesting things in there about why we dream and kind of what it means and all that sort of thing. Um, so, yes, I would recommend that. that too if you're trying to analyze why you dream about certain things. Um, but it had a lot of really interesting advice for businesses and for business leaders. Um, not that I am a business leader, but, you know, as managers, we're taking a role in how our business how our organization that we're in is kind of filtering down to our employees um and it had some really interesting learnings in there about how important sleep is and it's interesting because sleep is something i would never ask my team about 
you know, you imagine you have a one-to-one, it's like, so... How did you sleep yeah, last night? How is your sleep going at the moment? Are you having lots of dreams? Is it all good? Are you getting your eight hours? Um, I would never have done that before. But actually, I genuinely might now. I mean, maybe not in that really creepy really? way that I just did. But honestly, yeah. so this book talks... It, there's a lot of really fascinating things in there um, for parents, for, you know, in really important decision makers, for managers... But the basically the really important things that it touches on from that perspective, particularly, are the importance of sleep for productivity, creativity, and problem solving. And I know it's one of those things where I have often seen kind of news stories about um, organisations that have installed uh, nap rooms into their buildings, and you kind of think, okay, well that's a massive fad. Like, why on earth would you want to go take a nap mm. at work? Like, what is that doing? But I, I always thought, like, that's a bit weird. Like, why on earth yeah. would, you, would you do that? But there are actually genuinely organisations offering financial incentives for their employees to get better sleep. This is genuinely wow. a thing that is happening because the impacts of better sleep are so profound. Like, there's there's loads of data in the book that I won't go into because it, it, out of context it's probably a bit boring. But it's so, so fascinating to hear um, um, Matthew Walker, who... Um, wrote the book goes into you know lots of detail about all of the ways that better sleep impacts your life and it's all of the things that you'd want from your employees and also from yourself as a manager to your point earlier molly looking after yourself is one of the most important things that you can possibly do and i think that sleep is not something that i appreciated kind of being in the mix before mm. but wow yeah i have like a whole new bedtime routine i am loving it and i will be asking my team about their sleep i mean i, I probably won't offer financial incentives for them to get a bed night but <laughs> honestly i think if i was a business owner i would really think about that because the the data is staggering around the impacts that around the results that it drives to have well-rested people in your organization it's honestly absolutely staggering that's that sounds so interesting i feel like maybe you should start like lobbying our leaders to uh you know <laughs> <laughs> drop in some financial yeah, sure what, what are they offering so like well. mattresses and stuff mattresses what do you mean <laughs> like 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 what is the incentive like we'll buy you a new no, mattress bonuses like... literal bonuses so bonuses i can't remember the name of the company but it's an insurance company probably in america i can't remember um that are literally offering people bonuses up to i think it is about 500 pounds dollars whatever currency it is um a month but f- based on the amount of sleep that they get and so if you're pr- if wow. you can prove that you've had i think it's like an eight to nine hour what they call a sleep opportunity where you kind of given yourself the opportunity to fall asleep and have a good night's sleep and they mm. will give you literal money for it that's incredible so what is next we will be back in a fortnight with a brand new episode but in the meantime you can follow us on social media at new managers club on instagram to make sure you don't miss any of the action molly have we got some exciting things coming up on our instagram feed we have some very exciting things do you know what fun story about our instagram i posted a reel yesterday that i thought was absolutely hilarious and it got like four likes (gasps) gutted no Okay, yeah. well, can everyone go? Everyone who's listening, go give us some support. Go, like, <laughs> go give it a like in uh, support to show that that reel was not wasted. Oh, that's I hate it when that happens. <laughs> like when you spent a really long time on one and then everyone just doesn't seem to appreciate the yeah. work that went in. It just goes nowhere. Like seen by like five people, gutted. Yeah, but, um, wonderful. That's, that's the engagement that we want. So if you are if you are listening to this, please do go give us a follow. Check out our videos. Some of them are as hilarious as Molly says that they are um and there, there's lots of great uh resources tips uh videos and our faces uh you know things that will help 
you keep your leadership skills at their absolute best. So go, do go and check that out. In the meantime, keep smashing it, managers. You have got this. We are cruising our way through 2022 and you are doing an awesome job. We cannot wait to see you in our next episode. But until then, bye for now. Bye.